The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Elon Musk has been costing Tesla investors quite a lot of money lately. Tesla's stock has lost 22% of its value in a little over six weeks. That's about $14 billion of value wiped out. All because of a single tweet. Breaking news real quick on Elon Musk. Uh, it's a tweet from Mr. Musk. He's considering taking Tesla private. How about that? He's considering taking Tesla private at $420 a share. This week, we're bringing you a special breaking news episode about everything that's gone on at Tesla since that tweet was sent. Hi, I'm Brad Stone. And I'm Dana Hull. And this week on Decrypted, we're taking a look at Tesla's current predicament. Elon Musk is a singular CEO, unfiltered and unscripted. Now, that strategy could have big implications for the future of the company. Tesla is facing not one, but two government investigations from the SEC and the Department of Justice. We'll see how Tesla got here and what it needs to do to get out. This is part of a special season of Decrypted, where we explore the unintended consequences of technology. Stay with us. So, Dana, let's go back to the innocent days of early August, precisely August 7th. You had just gotten back from vacation, if I remember. And that is the day, that fateful day that Elon tweets, quote, I'm considering taking Tesla private at $420, funding secured. You have a quick reaction to that one? Or wow. Before we let uh, you go, that's something else. At first, people thought that it was a joke. And so there was all these internal conversations here at Bloomberg about, was he hacked? Is this, is a, is this a marijuana reference? Like, right, and, because 420, the... 420 has, has some significance in marijuana culture. And, um, you know, Tesla's PR team, they, they don't control his tweets. He doesn't have a tweet ghostwriter. Um, and my understanding now is that he was actually on a plane at the time. So no one at Tesla PR could actually get a hold of him. So... We just assumed that it was true. But the crazy thing was that the stock started to explode higher than trading stopped and no one could figure out what was going on. And there was kind of confidence that maybe Tesla and Elon had put the kind of volatility of Tesla stock behind it. Like as a private company, it wouldn't be as susceptible to the hated shorts, right, which he has campaigned against for so long. Yeah. And Musk has talked quite openly for for years now about wishing that Tesla was private. SpaceX is private. Um, the volatility of the short sellers drives him bananas. He's always talking about burning the shorts. So it definitely seemed legitimate. And remember, that was the day also that the Financial Times reported that the Saudis had taken some kind of stake in the company. So the go private tweet was sort of seen as a reaction to that. And But, you know, it struck me immediately as odd because, you know, there's no more of a material announcement than the fact that, you know, a, a public company might be going private. And yet he had tweeted it, right? Not, you know, not a filing with the SEC, not a press release. From your reporting, like how unusual was that and who else at Tesla knew about this? 
it was pretty unusual. Um, and I don't think anyone at Tesla knew about it. I mean, that was sort of one of my burning questions. Like, so who on the executive team, you know, what did they know and when did they know it? Now it kind of appears that no one really knew. I think everybody was blindsided by it. Even his, the board. His executives, the board, large institutional investors. And now in the ensuing days, there's kind of a scramble uh, to to document, like, who are his advisors, right? And, and we report that both Goldman and Morgan Stanley are, like, involved in this deal. So it seems legitimate at this point, right? Yeah, I think for, first it, the, the sort of narrative arc went from this this is crazy, he must have gotten hacked or he's joking to, wow, Elon's going private. Okay, who's involved? And there was this appearance of forward momentum. I mean, we were hearing from bankers that they were meeting with Elon, that they were flying to L.A. to meet with him. People kind of felt like, well, if anyone can pull this off, it's him. I mean, this is a man who's been able to raise billions of dollars from the capital markets, has a lot of long-term, long-horizon investors on his side. SpaceX has had a great year. You know, Tesla has had challenges with the Model 3, but is still this wildly popular brand. I mean, there was kind of a sense that Elon could potentially do this. Right. And, and ironically, we had just written a cover story, which you co-authored, about the the, uh, the scramble to meet the Model 3 production goals. Uh, great headline, Hell for Elon Musk is a mid-sized sedan, and documented, you know, his sleeping at the at the factory mm-hmm. and, and rushing to meet these goals. And he had hit the numbers, right? I mean, there was there was a quarter where they met met the Wall Street. Yeah, they had, they had finally kind of gotten to this state where they had, you know, even though they had to build a tent and like manufacture a production line at the last minute, they had, they were kind of at there was a feeling that they had finally exited production hell and that they, the cars were coming out and you started to see more cars on the road here in California, for sure. A little more than two weeks after the initial funding is secured tweet, Elon admits that, in fact, funding was not really secured. This was a Friday night news dump. Late at night is when the company posted a blog post from Elon Musk essentially saying we're going to be staying a publicly traded company. And here's the reasons why. We're not going to go into all of them. Take us through what happened then. So that was really late on a Friday night, like so late that I don't know if East Coast newspapers made their deadlines. The thing that was remarkable about the blog post is that he basically admitted that all of the investors were not on board with the idea and that the prevailing sentiment was, please don't do this, which was completely contradictory to what he had said previously, because not only did he say that funding was secure, but he was like, shareholders are on board. There's consensus and it just needs to go before a vote. So he was really contradicting himself in a way that was pretty remarkable. Very quickly, it was like, all right, so when is the first shareholder lawsuit? And, you know, he pulled the plug on a Friday. Within a week, we had the first of now several shareholder lawsuits filed that are that are attempting to get class action status. Right. And then the SEC comes in, right? And they serve Tesla with a subpoena. And the SEC's interest is they're looking at, you know, when did he send the tweet? Who knew it? Did, was anyone involved? Did, did his board or his executives or large investors have any heads up that this was coming? Well, if nobody traded on the information, is that, you know, is, has a crime been committed? I think that's a really that's a really good question. I mean, the short sellers would certainly argue that they were hurt, but um, how the SEC views that, I'm not entirely sure. Then it, we we come into early September, September sixth, and Elon uh, after this plan has been scrapped and and Tesla is sort of still wobbly from all of these lawsuits and the investigation, uh, all this sort of negative attention is placed on the company. Elon goes on a podcast called Three, the Joe Rogan two, Experience. One, boom. Thank you. Thanks for doing this, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, welcome. It's very good to meet you. Nice, nice to meet you too. And thanks for not lighting this place on fire. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Best how coming does, later. How does one, um, just in the middle of doing all the things you do, uh, create cars, uh, rockets? It has a very profound conversation about very weighty issues. Is life a simulation? Things, things like that, the future of electric cars. But all the attention is captured by the fact that he smokes marijuana on this video podcast. So is that a joint? Or oh, is it a cigar? Yeah, it's no. Okay. It's um, marijuana it's, it's inside weed. of uh, tobacco. Oh, okay. So it's like posh, pot, tobacco, yeah. posh. You never had that? Yeah, I think I tried one once. Come on, man. <laughs> you probably can't because stockholders, right? I mean, it's legal, right? It's totally legal. Okay. How does that work? Do people get upset at you if you do certain things? There's uh, tobacco and marijuana in there. That's all it is. Musk has, you know, talked openly in the past about mixing red wine and Ambien. In this very tearful New York Times interview that came in the middle of the Go Private drama, you know, the Times reported that he was not sleeping well, that there was concerns about recreational drug use. And so this whole narrative around his mental health and his potential substance use and abuse was sort of out there. So you think, okay, he's pulled the plug up. You know, you, you would think that he would know better than to smoke pot at this particular juncture. Well, see, I just wonder if he's trolling us with oh, this, right? He right. just – because to go back to, you know, the point we made earlier, he's unscripted. He's unfiltered. You know, in a way, he, he depends on the media, but maybe he doesn't really care about how he's portrayed. Of, of course, he cares too much, right, because he's so obsessed with it. But is, is in a way, is he poking a finger in the eye of everyone who is so absorbed by his uh, behavior and his communication during this period? Well, right. And then the, the conspiracy theories will, theorists will have you believe. So that so he smokes pot late on a Thursday night. The next morning, it's like, oh, my God, Musk smoked pot. Like, this is so crazy. But then that same day, they filed an 8K in which they revealed that their chief accounting officer had resigned. So the stock started to tank. And it's like, well, is the stock tanking because the CEO smoked pot or is it tanking because a finance executive quit? So the theorists, the conspiracy theorists believe that Musk smoked pot specifically, knowing that the media would then talk about the pot and, and ignore the fact it's that very a Trump, finance... It's very Trump-like, isn't it? A little uh, Twitter or orchestrated misdirection. Yeah. And, and you know, and I mean, there have been a lot of parallels to Trump just in terms of his use of Twitter and, and the passion of his base. About a week after he smokes pot on the Joe Rogan podcast, our colleagues uh, um, report that the Department of Justice has opened a criminal investigation. Here is the latest in terms of the DOJ probe of Tesla. Uh, you saw Kate Kelly on about 15, 20 minutes ago talking about the fact that uh, Goldman and Silver Lake have also been subpoenaed here. The focus is on Elon Musk's tweet in early August when he said, look. So this is on top of the SEC subpoena. It's on top of these, um, you know, these these more formal shareholder, shareholder lawsuits. lawsuits. Um, a criminal investigation. Could, what, what does that mean? And does somebody go to jail if 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 you know the Department of Justice finds evidence of criminality, well, I think it, I think it's still very early stages, and we shouldn't you know shouldn't should let the investigation play out. But it certainly is like another it's like another front. Right? My understanding is that you know the SEC kind of plods along, and if they see anything that seems criminal, they flag it to their colleagues at the DOJ, and then the DOJ opens its own inquiry. You know, we're not under the impression that like FBI agents in like blue windbreakers were like pounding on Elon's door and like hauling away computers, but it does seem like. The investigation is consider is continuing now. There, you know, there's multiple investigations on multiple fronts. And what was striking about our colleagues' report is that 
you know, Tesla basically then put out a statement saying that we heard from the Department of Justice last month and we're cooperating. So they didn't deny that the Department of Justice is involved. There's some, you know, splitting of hairs about whether it's definitely criminal or civil. When the Department of Justice gets involved, it means that there's concern about possible criminal behavior. It doesn't mean that they will file charges. It doesn't mean that someone's going to jail, but it means that there is enough there that they're they're involved. And again, what they're investigating is is the tweet and and the proclamation that funding was secured and then, you know, which moved the stock price and then we find out 2 weeks later that, you know, that, that no no such deal ever existed. Exactly. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. So, Dana, we've talked about these dramatic last few months in the lives of Tesla and Elon Musk, and we've talked about the consequences, the unintended consequences of this ill-conceived tweet from Elon Musk that he was had a plan to take Tesla private and had funding secured. So let's talk about a little bit about what, what it all means for Tesla and the future of electric vehicles and for Elon Musk's career. I mean, do you, do you think some of the, these probes, the criminal probe and the shareholder lawsuit – are any any kind of a turning point for a company that seems to have had so many of these kinds of episodes? I mean, I guess my question is, what? how does this impact their ability to raise additional capital? Musk has a laundry list of projects that he wants to complete, a gigafactory in China, a Model Y crossover, the solar roof, a semi-truck. I mean, all of his ambitions need more money. And this is a guy who's been able to raise money from the capital markets hand over fist for like over a decade now. But I mean, do you really think he'll have a problem if he, you know, the next time he needs to raise money? I think a lot of it rides on how this quarter looks in terms of the fundamentals of Tesla's business, which is making and selling cars. And so for all the drama about Azealia Banks and Smoking Pot and Grimes and this tweet and the SEC and the DOJ, like fundamentally the question, the existential question for Tesla is can they become a mass market car maker and can they make cars in high volume with high quality? And we're going to find out very soon in early October they're going to release their delivery and production figures and they're, they're kind of sounding good. You know, I was thinking a little bit about whether there had any have been any similar episodes in Silicon Valley history. Uh, the one the one that kind of sprang to mind was Steve Jobs uh, at Apple back in like the early two thousands. He had just come back to the company. He had turned it around, and uh, him and his his some members of his management team received you know some probably well deserved stock options, which they then backdated to uh, to minimize some of the tax impact. You know, Jobs, like Elon, uh, maybe uniquely, right, is was a, a CEO who, you know, was a visionary ahead of his time and really didn't care what, you know, the, the world thought, right, wanted to bend everyone to his will and sometimes skirted the rules, right? So it's different than Twitter obviously didn't exist back then. It would be interesting, uh, you know, if we had ever seen what Steve Jobs would have been like on on, on Twitter. Um, he probably would have eschewed it, but, but you know, somewhat, I, there, I, I guess what I'm saying is there's a little bit of a, 
uh, a pattern here among these larger-than-life Silicon Valley figures. The other Jobs comparison is that Jobs was also running Pixar at the time, or at one point he was simultaneously running both. Definitely he was for years. And, yeah. you know, even though everyone thinks about Musk and Tesla, his real passion has always been SpaceX. And, like, SpaceX has had a phenomenally successful year um, and has been sort of largely drama-free just on – Monday, you know, Musk announced that he's got this Japanese billionaire ready to pay billions of dollars to go to the moon with him. Right. Yusako Mezawa. And and that's interesting because, uh, you know, despite all the uh, turmoil uh, around Elon Musk, it, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, this particular businessman has lost any faith in him. I mean, I wonder, has Elon lost any supporters, do you think, through these months of turmoil? We'll find out when the next 13 Fs are filed, whether large institutional shareholders have sold off their holdings. Um, You know, it's hard to say. I mean, you're not really seeing like a lot of public people break with him. I mean, analysts like Gene Munster are like, Elon, you should apologize to the, you know, to the cave rescue team. And I mean, people are sort of calling on him to tone it down, but you're not seeing like a big break. Um, I think that people want him to modulate his behavior, but I think they fundamentally recognize that Elon is going to be Elon. So before we uh, sat down to record this podcast, I put out a request on Twitter uh, to to listeners to ask them if uh, they had any questions for you, Dana. And, and we got a bunch of uh, good questions. Uh, we got one from a user uh, at Temp Worker um, asking about the recent executive departures. Yeah, this is sort of an area that I really have delved into this year because Tesla is not super transparent about what their executive leadership is. You know, unlike an Apple or even an Uber, if you go to their website, there's no org chart. So I created one of my own. And what's kind of striking is that like 14 vice presidents have left this year and they have not been replaced by outside hires. In general, this sort of um, the positions are kind of shuffled around and more and more people are reporting directly to Elon. So Elon has a lot of direct reports for a CEO who's not a full-time CEO. And the, the people who have departed have been really high-profile people. John McNeil, who was you know, the president of like sales, service, and deliveries, he left. He's now the COO at Lyft. Doug Field, who was the engineering chief, left. He's now back at Apple. And there's been this kind of drip-drip of pretty significant departures at a time when like Tesla should be doing pretty well. You know, a company like Tesla at this age and its maturity should have like a deep bench of talent, and they just don't have that right now. Uh, Dana, another um, Twitter question from a, a user calling himself, as one does, at Twain's mustache. Uh, the, the the Bloomberg story yesterday uh, about the DOJ looking into, uh, you know, conducting a criminal investigation of Tesla uh, said that uh, they were looking into claims that Elon had misled the market about the health of Tesla, right? So that's markedly different, right, than uh, an investigation into the timing of the tweet or whether funding was secured. This is like, do you have an indication that this is a, a, a source of concern here, that maybe Tesla isn't as healthy as it is professed to be? So our understanding is that the SEC is looking into two things, the tweet and sort of public statements that Musk and the company have made about um, delivery targets and production figures. I'm not under under the impression that the DOJ is looking into that, but certainly it's like once the door is open, it's kind of a Pandora's box. Another question from a user calling him or herself blondes for Elon. (laughs) I don't know if that's a big group or not. Uh, Are there SEC whistleblowers out there or is there a DOJ whistleblower? So I guess it's like, are there people inside Tesla that might be the source? Yes, there is a former Tesla employee who worked at the Gigafactory named Martin Tripp, who 
filed a whistleblower complaint with the SEC, has hired an attorney, and he alleges that you know Tesla was um, not being forefront, not being forthright about battery production figures. And uh, there's a whole crazy story about him and the police in Nevada got involved. And now he's he's on Twitter. He's trying he's got to go fund me to raise money for his legal fees. His attorneys has been very has been very outspoken. The attorney is in turn asking other whistleblowers to come forward. I think a second person has also come forward. But yeah, that's there. There are definitely whistleblowers, whether any action results comes out of that. I'm not entirely sure. But Okay, well, maybe more importantly, a, a user at JMT is asking us about impending competition and how realistic uh, are some of these other uh, companies like Audi that have talked about electric cars. Now, I, I, uh, an analysis from Tony Sakanagi, an, an analyst at Bernstein, uh, said that there was no credible competition, at least on the near horizon. So what, what is the environment out there for Tesla? Yeah, my, so my sense is that you know, any time a legacy automaker like Audi comes out with an electric car, the headline is always, you know, is this is this the Tesla killer? But I went to the Audi event on Monday night and, you know, it's a compelling electric car. If you like an out if you like Audi, if you are brand loyal to Audi, you'll probably look at it. But the goal of Tesla was always to accelerate the advent of electric transportation. And electric cars are still such a small part of the market that there's plenty of room for other automakers to come in. I mean the goal is to get people to switch from the internal combustion engine to electric. It's not to get people to switch from a Tesla to an Audi. So, Dana, let's wrap up this discussion going back to, to your life covering Tesla. You, in the, in the last few months, have gone through the uh, the Model 3 production hell months. You've gone through the funding secured tweets. You've gone through Elon's uh, marijuana smoking podcast. Uh, and now the SEC and perhaps DOJ investigations. What what is what do the next few months look like? Are things going to calm down on the Tesla beat? Yeah, that would be nice. Um, I I think the next few months are really about their ability to retain talent and hire additional talent. It's about the next it's about the current quarter and are they able to kind of hit these numbers? And then you're going to just start seeing more cars on the road, frankly. And so, what is the consumer attitude about the cars? Okay, Dana Hall. So we will uh, stay tuned uh, to your reporting for Bloomberg News. We'll be looking for the production and delivery numbers that Tesla will be making available in early October. And of course, as always, we will be paying attention to Elon Musk's Twitter account. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. If you have a story about Tesla, send us an email at decrypted at Bloomberg.net, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Dana Hull. And I'm at Brad Stone. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, I hope you take a minute to leave us a rating or a review. This does so much to get us in front of more listeners. This episode was produced by Pia Gadkari, Liz Smith, and Magnus Henriksen. Special thanks to Aki Ito, Ann Vandermeer, and Emily Biuso. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.